Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world, forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and heavenly places. With all prayer and petition to pray at all times, spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. Can I use your stool? No. <laughs> Gosh. I love seeing the children read the scripture here. Monty, thank you. Would you join with me as we pray and ask our Heavenly Father to speak to us today? Our loving Father, we come to you as children, and some of us just need to sit on your lap and feel your warm embrace and need to be comforted by you. And so for those who need your comfort today, especially, we pray that they would experience it even now. Lord, for others of us, we perhaps need to hear your instruction and your guidance in areas that we've been asking you specifically. And we pray that your, your words, your wisdom would be given to us and we follow your leading. Lord, perhaps as a loving father, you need to correct us in some areas to direct us, to show us where we've been thinking wrong or acting wrong or speaking wrong. And Lord, we ask for that gentle hand of correction and that firm hand of correction when needed that you might correct us today as appropriate. Lord, we ask for your protection against the world around us to protect us from harm and those who would harm us. And Lord, in this world that seems to be getting darker, we pray that you would help us to shine brighter in our love for Jesus, and in following him. Lord, as we look in your word today, I humbly ask for the Holy Spirit to speak through me words that are truthful, and that by your spirit we would hear well and obey well. We ask all these things in that matchless name of Jesus. Amen. After I graduated from Dallas Seminary in 1982, I had been invited to go on a short-term mission trip in Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And the leader of the group was one of my professors and seminary man by the name of Walt Baker, who had lived in a missionary, as a missionary in Haiti, but been asked to come to the seminary to teach missions. So he said he'd come on the condition he'd be able to take teams every summer back to Haiti, which he did. And so I was part of this team along with about maybe eight other students, men and women, and we traveled to Haiti. And we're getting ready for our first Sunday of ministry. We prayed the Lord would really use us. And, and uh, Walt had us learn a, a song in Creole that went something like this. Piti, piti, navi moi, piti, piti, jish la fin, jeju of chance moi, de pimte vire. Well, you get the idea that I can't sing. No, but uh, that's the song as I remember it. We learned that song, we prayed, and then, and then Walt who was a friend of mine as well as a professor. He wanted me to do the preaching, and he was going to do the translating, so I had a sermon, and we kind of practiced that a little bit, and we prayed, we were ready to go. And then our only transportation was a big flatbed truck that had wood uh, barriers around the back so it wouldn't fall out. And the team was in the back of the truck, except for Walt, who was driving, and then me, because I was, well, 
not only his favorite student, I'm sure, but um, because I was preaching, he wanted to keep me, you know, clean and crisp and everything. Plus, I was wearing, keep in mind it's 1982, a light blue polyester leisure suit that we had to keep nice for the preaching, you know. Um, by the way, it's over 90 degrees and over 90% humidity there. So we're in the truck and we're driving. And just as we start out, we have to cross uh, a, a levee. There's a river there and a, a dirt levee with a road on it. And the river was about ready to crest the levee. And we were told you can't drive over this levee because the truck's too heavy with all the students. Uh, you might go into the river. So we had to take a do detour. Well, that would mean we would be an hour late for this church service, and we were concerned, and they go, oh, you don't understand. The Haitians don't have watches, <laughs> and they arrive late, and they stay all day. It's not a problem. So we prayed, and we asked the Lord to, to use us, and even though we're going to be delayed, that the people would be prepared for us. Well, we continued to drive when the electrical system on the truck went out. Now, that wasn't a huge concern because it was a diesel truck. It would still run. But if you ever stopped the truck, you couldn't start it again. And the big thing was it meant the horn didn't work. And we needed that horn for the animals and the people on the road. So we pull over the side, and I was designated the, the team mechanic. So I get out. Did I mention I was in a light blue polyester leisure suit? And I get out, and I open the hood of the truck, and I'm trying to figure out why the electrical system doesn't work. And I check the battery, and it didn't have any water in it. So I go, ha-ha, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that that's important. So put water in the battery, get the electrical system going, the horn works, you know, all that. And so we're on a road again. We're thanking the Lord for answering our prayer. But now we're an hour and a half late. And so we drive some more, and then the truck completely dies. Great. So I get out of the truck, light blue, polyester leisure suit and all, open the hood, and there's the fuel line going like this over the motor, and the diesel fuel's going everywhere. Good thing it was diesel and not gasoline. And so I put the hose back on. We get the truck going. We praise the Lord for answering our prayer. Well, now we're going to be two hours late, but we pray, and we continue to go. And Walt goes to shift the truck and pushes the clutch in, and the pedal goes to the floor and stays there. And the clutch goes out. So we pray again. Now, this time, I took off the jacket to the light blue polyester leisure suit because I have to go underneath the truck. And I scoot under there with my light blue polyester pants and go under the truck trying to figure out why the clutch doesn't work. And I discover there's a bolt that's sheared off on the mechanism that works the clutch. And I'm thinking, where are we going to get a bolt for this? So we pray, and this is a true story. A man in the middle of nowhere in Haiti under dirt road, no stores, says, what's the problem? Oh, we need this special bolt. And he goes, like this? He had to be an angel. He had the exact bolt we needed to fix the clutch in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you probably can't even get it in Kailua, you know? So I get the bolt. I get under. We're praising the Lord. I'm under there. I go to put the bolt in when I notice that whoever installed the bolt previously had welded it in place. So the broken piece, I can't get out, and I can't get the new piece in. We never made it to that church in spite of our good intentions and our prayers. For all I know, they're still waiting for us to show up. <laughs> Today's sermon is entitled, Why Doesn't Prayer Work Better Than It Does? Why Doesn't Prayer Work Better 
than it does. I mean, even when you pray, like we learned last week, in the character of Jesus, for the glory of the Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit, which we saw last time is to pray in Jesus' name, even when you do that, sometimes you don't get what you hope or what you expect, and things just go awry. Today, I want to talk to you about a subject that, although I wrote my master's thesis on this subject, I really don't understand it, but I know it's true. And the subject is the spiritual warfare aspect of prayer. The fact that we have an enemy that is trying to hinder the answers to our prayers. Most of us who grew up in a family or have a family now have experienced the situation where you're maybe mixing the chocolate brownie mix and it's time to lick the spoon. Now, I realize on the box it says, don't lick the spoon. I don't know if it's got raw eggs in it or some other thing, but, but who reads the box? So you get done, and you've just got done, and one of your children is there waiting to lick the spoon. When another sibling comes in and says, no, it's my turn, you licked the spoon last time. And suddenly, they short-circuit the request to lick the spoon. And mom or dad licks the spoon themselves, perhaps. <laughs> or when you have an older sibling and a younger sibling, and the younger sibling asks for something, the older sibling says, well, you didn't let me stay up that late when I was that age. Or you didn't let me drive alone when I was that age. Or you didn't let me date when I was their age. And suddenly, this third party hijacks the request. Well, what happens in biological families happens in spiritual ones. You see, your prayers are not just between you and your Heavenly Father. There's a third antagonistic party who's listening in, the devil. And he doesn't want you to get your request. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 reminds us of this. Peter's writing, and in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, verse 8, he writes this, be of sober spirit. The idea there is you're self-controlled, you're not eh, whining or upset. Be on the alert. The word there is a military term. You're on watch, you're on the alert. Why? You have an adversary, and your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour you have an adversary out there who's trying to hinder your prayers and to keep you from getting what you ask for, just like a jealous sibling used to, or maybe still less. Even if, and especially if your request is good and wholesome and spiritually beneficial to you, that's when he's the most active. So we get befuddled thinking, why didn't God answer this prayer? Because it sure seems like a good, spiritual, wholesome prayer. Well, it was, but you have an enemy. You're in a battle, and the devil and his demons are working their damnedest to keep you from getting what is good for you. Today, we're going to look at two things. You have an outline there by the door if you didn't get one already. If you're watching online, it's available on the PDF icon. The first thing to notice is that we're at war, and Satan is fighting the answers to your prayers. We're at war, and Satan is fighting the answers to your prayers. 
Our loving Heavenly Father makes this quite clear to us through the writings, the inspired writings of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'd like to read to you Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. We'll put it up on the screen because I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. You may not have that with you. And apparently it's an older version of the New Living Translation. All my Bibles are older, so sometimes there's a little variation. But listen to what it says or, or watch on the screen, Ephesians 6, 10. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Friends, we are at war. There's a battle going on even right now that you and I can't see. And Satan has lots of help. He has myriads of what we call demons or fallen angels who are trying to mess with you and mess with the people you love. I like the way theologian and Bible scholar Dr. Harold Wellington puts it. He writes, throughout his long history, man has often wondered whether he is indeed the only intelligent being in his universe. We often ask, is there life on Mars? And man asks whether life as we know it is confined to the earth alone. We ask, is there intelligent life in the universe? <laughs> well, there's intelligent life right here, I hope. <laughs> but beyond here, are there other living and rational creatures out there besides man? And he answers, there are indeed. And then he asks, are they friend or foe? And he answers, they are both. And then he asks, is there civilization older than ours? The answer is, it is. Will we ever learn to communicate with them? We not only will, but a number of human beings already met them and have talked with them. Who are these creatures? They are called angels. And if they've fallen away from God, we call them demons. And the good angels seek to do the Father's will. And the fallen angels seek to do their father, the devil's will. And they're fighting over this earth. You see, it isn't just your teenager's hormones that are the problem, or your spouse's foul mood, or your boss's ill temperament, or your roommate's strange quirks that are the problem. The devil is happy to be a partner with your teenager's hormones. The devil partners with your spouse's bad mood or your boss's ill temperament or your roommate's quirks. And that enemy, the devil, is trying to ruin your life and mine. And it's easy to forget that. Sure, we have the influence of our own sinful flesh. Yes, we have the influence of the sinful world around us. But the greatest influence that's trying to ruin us is the devil himself. The world, the flesh, and the devil are all against us. 
One of modern day's most erudite Christian writers and thinkers is a man by the name of Philip Yancey. If you see anything that's authored by Philip Yancey, you won't go wrong reading it. And I like Philip Yancey because in his brilliance, he's willing to take certain Christian beliefs and practices that we've held and hold them up to the light of Scripture and challenge us and say, why do we believe those? And in his gold medallion winning book entitled, Where is God When It Hurts?, he writes this. Yancey writes, the question that obsesses modern thinkers, quote, why do bad things happen, end quote, gets little systematic treatment in the Bible because Bible writers believed they already knew why bad things happen. We live on a planet ruled by powers intent on blocking and perverting the will of God. The New Testament openly describes Satan as the God of this age and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Of course bad things happen. On a planet ruled by the evil one, we should expect to see violence, deception, disease. Isn't it interesting? He probably wrote this in the 80s, but it certainly applies to 2021. We should expect to see violence, deception, disease, and all manner of opposition to the reign of God. We pray because against such forces, we have no more powerful way to bring together the two worlds, visible and invisible. I present my world, whatever its circumstances, to God in prayer and ask for help in equipping me to encounter these forces of evil. You see, whether it's racial injustice, whether it's economic inequality, whether it's pollution, sexual orientation, riots, pandemics, societal damaging decisions by government leaders, the devil is heavily invested in each one of those things. But you need to remember, it's the devil who's our enemy not the people who have been deluded by him. They are victims of the most powerful, most evil creature who has ever lived. And that is why it is much more effective to pray for people that you disagree with who are deluded by the devil than to argue with them, or worse yet, slander them, because we're at war. And I remind you, number one, we're at war and Satan is fighting the answers to your prayers. But secondly, prayer is your personal weapon in combating evil. It's your personal weapon. People go, I don't know what to do. The world's so bad. Well, God told us, you should pray. But my life is so hard. Everything's against me. I don't know what to do. Well, you should pray. As Americans, we have the American right to stand up and protest, and that's a wonderful right. But if you protest instead of praying, or you protest without praying, you're foolish. Because the power behind any protest is going to be your prayers, and your prayers have more power than any protest. Because there is a spiritual battle going on. As Paul wrote, wrote, our battle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world. Is there a conspiracy? Well, when we started this lesson, we said, yes, there's a conspiracy. And the devil is a conspirator. Realizing that we're in a spiritual battle helps to explain why prayer doesn't work as well as it should. And why, even though that we prayed again and again in Haiti, the devil again and again went against us. And apparently we ran out of time before he ran out of tricks. But we still got to sing that song later. I still got to preach that sermon later. Just not that particular day. And we're at battle and we don't quit. We keep serving the Lord and we keep praying. And although prayer is an intimate conversation between you and God, it is also a battle cry. And we fight the best fights on our knees. We're at war. Satan is fighting the answer to your prayers. We're at war, and prayer is your personal weapon in combating evil. Now, I'd like you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 10, one scripture that's absolutely incredible that gives us a peek into the spiritual realm when someone prays. There's no clearer passage of scripture, perhaps, than this section of Daniel chapter 10. The year is about 536 B.C., the nation of Judah, the Jewish people, have been taken captive to Babylon and exiled for 70 years, as God predicted, because they had been disobedient to God. They're in Babylon for 70 years. Daniel had been taken from Jerusalem as a young man to Babylon. 70 years have now passed. Daniel's still alive. He's an old man. He's probably in his 90s. He's now praying for his people. Some of them have been released to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and the temple. Others are still in Babylon. Daniel is still in Babylon, and he begins to pray. Now, let's pick up the story in verse 2 of Daniel 10. In verse 2, Daniel says, In those days I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. Keep in mind, he's not saying, whoa, I prayed for 21 days, no, or 21 hours, no, not even 21 minutes. He's saying, I prayed for 21 days. I prayed for three weeks. And finally, something incredible happens. Verse 4, and on the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river that is the Tigris. He's by the Tigris River, which means he's still in Babylon. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body also was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. 
in response to Daniel's prayer, he gets a glimpse of what's going on in the spiritual realm, and an angel shows up. The reason angels don't normally show up visibly is, one, we'd be scared to death, and two, we would probably fall down and worship them like John did in the book of Revelation and had to keep getting scolded for worshiping a creature. So this angel shows up. He's a messenger, and he says in verse 8, Daniel says in verse 8, So I was left alone and saw the great vision, yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. He was scared literally to death. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Then, behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So first he's face down. Now he's on his hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright. So now he stands up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. It's a little late. Daniel's scared to death. For from the first day, notice, the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before your God, your words, your prayer were heard, and I have come in response to your prayer, your words. He said, we heard you the first day when you prayed, but it's taken three weeks for me, this amazing creature, to be able to show up and give you the answer to prayer. Why? Verse 13, he tells us, don't miss this. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me. The prince is a demon over the kingdom of Persia. Persian Empire at that time was most of the Middle East. And it included countries that we now call Syria, Iraq, Iran, and Afghanistan. And there's a demon over that area. And he says, this demon withstood me for 21 days. For the three weeks you were praying, I was fighting this demon. Then behold, Michael, that's a good angel, one of the chief princes came to help me. One of the highest good angels came to help. For I had been left there with the kings of Persia. By the way, demons don't get sick. They don't age. And they don't die. So that demon over the Middle East is still there unless he got transferred somewhere else. And there are demons over America. There are demons. There are myriads of demons. And apparently they are over certain countries. And you go, I can't believe the leaders of pick a country, America. I can't believe they're making such decisions. I mean, those decisions don't make sense. It's like they're blinded. They are. The scriptures tell us that Satan has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever. Is there any reason that ridiculous decisions, harmful decisions, immoral decisions are being made by people in the highest echelons of governments around the world, including America? Because we are at war, but the people aren't the enemies. They're the victims of the enemy, the devil. And we are in a spiritual battle. And Daniel knew he was in a spiritual battle, and he continued to pray day after day. And here's the answer to his prayer, verse 14. 
Now I have come, the angel says, to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people, the Jewish people, in the latter days. For the vision pertains to the days yet future. And Daniel, in response to his prayers, is given prophetic information, not just for his day, but beyond his day, beyond our day, to let us know how the world is going to end and how God is going to preserve the Jewish nation. Now, this incredible true story may raise more questions for you than it gives answers. That's true for me. But the one thing we shouldn't miss is it's telling us there's a spiritual battle going on when you pray, so persist. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. And although there's much about prayer that I don't understand, you don't understand, that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray. Our ignorance should not deprive us of its use. One of the greatest American inventors was Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison once wrote, he said, we don't know the millionth part of 1% about anything. Thomas Edison wrote, we don't know what water is. We don't know what light is. We don't know what gravitation is. We don't know what electricity is. We don't know what heat is. We have a lot of hypotheses on these things, but that is all. But we don't let our ignorance deprive us of their use. When you turn on a light switch, do you know how electricity works? None of us really do, but we turn on the light. You don't have to understand how your prayer works, but you need to hit the switch. You need to pray. Would you join with me in battle right now? as we pray together. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're watching online, please join us as well. With our heads bowed, I want to point out something as we pray. You're either on the devil's side or you're on the side of Jesus. And if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, then you're not on his side and you're on the devil's side. And if you've never asked Jesus to come to your life, you're going to spend eternity with the devil in hell rather than with Jesus in heaven, and you get to choose. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the grave, if you realize your need for a Savior, why not cry out to him and let him save you and say something like, Lord Jesus, please save me. And then you'll be on his side, which is the winning side. And Jesus will come in and live in you. Lord Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to live for you. We want to battle for you. So Lord, help us. Help us to pray well and to live well for your glory. We pray all these things in the character of Jesus the glory of the Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.